The Bible reading today is Acts chapter 15, verse 36, to chapter 16, verse 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of God and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because all of the Jews who lived in that area, for they, knew, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and drew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the regions of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to one of the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Thanks, Rosie. Um, my name's Josh. Um, I'm one of the elders here at Christchurch. Do keep that passage open because for the next little while I'm going to be uh, speaking about that. Um, if you would like a written copy of uh, what I'm going to say, then uh, there's one available electronically. It's at the bottom on the screen there. You can go to christchurchliverpool.org forward slash transcript and you'll be able to um, read along as I'm speaking. Um, and that goes for guys at home as well. If you would like to follow along, it's there. Um, before I begin, um, I'm going to pray for God's help as we look at this passage. Father God, we um, turn to your word and we know that through it you speak to us. And so we pray that um, you, we would hear your voice this morning. We pray that from our part you would um, open our ears and give us focus um, and we pray that on, on your part, you would send your spirit to speak to us, speak clearly. And we pray that having encountered you in your words, that we would not leave here and remain the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at our church, we love 
the message of Jesus. We believe he is a real historical man and we find ourselves captivated by his teaching. It just makes so much sense of the world. Um, We also find that an encounter with Jesus is profoundly an encounter with the God who made us. And we find that God meets us in the person of Jesus in the most kind and gentle way. And he tells us he's for us, not against us. And when we encounter Jesus, we also encounter his cross, which frees us to be real about sin and failure and lifts off that burden from us and puts it on him. And so we at our church are people who love to talk about that. We love to have, I mean, that's what Morris was talking about in the notices. We have events and things going on so that we can talk about that with each other because we love to share that with one another. We express that as joy when we sing. And we really want other people to encounter that same Jesus as well. And so if you've been at our church for any length of time, you may have heard us speak at the front about how we can Uh, share Jesus with other people and uh, you might have been part of a connect group or the hub where you may even have shared who it is in your life you'd just be really excited to open up to about Jesus you might know we even run exploring Christianity um, which is so that we can give people an accessible and plain way of encountering Jesus well the problem is putting it like that all sounds easy when I've said it like that, it sounds as if we're just all going to be doing that all week, all week long, and that's going to be what characterizes our life. But you and I know that the reality isn't actually that straightforward. Because I know it's not like you get much of a chance to go into a deep spiritual conversation in the 30 seconds before your five-a-side match kicks off. Or when you mention to the lady at the checkout in Aldi that you're a Christian, it's not like that for me, ends up being a Bible study at the end of the day. And maybe your parents have already made it clear that when you go home to visit, well, talk about religion is off the table. And then you come to our church, we preach on the book of Acts, where the early Christians seem to be talking about Jesus all the time. They seem to be talking to people who are going to listen. Uh, We're seeing new churches form and Jesus growing his church in new and amazing ways. And I wonder, maybe you don't relate to that quite so well. Certainly, I often feel like the experience of the people we read about in the book of Acts is quite different to my experience. And if that's you, then today's passage in Acts is really quite eye-opening. Because today's passage in Acts is full of frustration and pain and changes of plan and doing things you didn't expect. As we look at today's passage, we'll see that Jesus does have a plan that does involve you getting to open up about Jesus to someone. But that plan might not really be in the way that you expected it to work out. It might not be in the place or to the person you thought. It might not actually be something that you're really prepared for. It may well involve having to step out of your comfort zone. And that's okay. But as we feel the frustrations of doors shut... We're taught in this passage to keep our eyes open for the windows of opportunity that are opening, to see the surprising path that might be opening up in front of us that does mean that we might unexpectedly get to share our joy in Jesus with other people after all. So we're going to look at this whole passage. Um, We're going to look at the whole passage in my first point, 
and then apply it to ourselves in the second point. And some of the lengths are different points are different sizes, so if you're following along, um, don't worry if um, you're wondering what's coming, just follow along with me. So we're going to look at Acts 15 and 16, and we're going to see um, Paul's plan and Jesus' plan, or Paul's plan versus Jesus' plan. Now, verse 36 uh, gives us the blueprint of how we might expect this story to go from here on in. Here's verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. That's the headline banner for their their journey that they're going to go on. That's what they're going to tell their church and their prayer meeting to pray about. That's what they're saying on their um, missionary support letter to tell people what they're doing. This is it. Paul and Barnabas going back to the believers in all the towns where they preached the word of the Lord last time out, which is you can read about in chapter 14, and seeing how they're doing. Um, I don't really look at memes much um, on social media. You won't find me scrolling that much, but I do come across some memes. I don't know if you see memes or you like memes. One quite popular meme that I do see all the time um, is, is this one. Um, this is from the film The Lord of the Rings. You don't, don't worry if you have not seen it, because what's happening is that some people decide they're going to take a ring into Mordor, which is enemy territory. And this guy, Boromir, he is cynically and wisely pointing out that when you say it like that, it sounds simple. But that's not really what happens. One does not simply walk into Mordor. It's not going to be that easy. But this is a meme, and so it's been kind of appropriated to express lots of different things in life that sound simple, but never really turn out as you expect. One does not simply insert USB stick correctly on the first try. I think you're laughing because you know. Borrow me is right. One does not simply, this is more niche, draw a circle on an etcher sketch. If you've ever tried... Well, I'd like to, to bring Boromir into Paul and Barnabas' conversation here. Paul says to Barnabas, me and you, we're going to go into all those towns to, to meet the believers in where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Boromir is sat in the corner, wise but cynical. And he pipes up, Paul, one does not simply go with Barnabas to all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Because they don't know it at this time, but from what Paul says here to where they end up in chapter 16 is not really what Paul had planned. They're going to learn that one does not simply do this plan. And that's okay. So Paul's got a plan, and it's not a bad plan, and it's not wrong that he's made the plan at all. Uh, But what he's learning, and the early church who read this are learning, is that It is good and right to plan to speak to people about Jesus, but you might actually end up doing it in a completely different way. It might mean that you do things you don't expect. It might mean that you have to go out of your comfort zone. Because this plan from verse 36 begins to be put into action in verse 37, and things go wrong straight away. Because the first thing that happens is Paul and Barnabas don't end up going together. This plan is potentially derailed from the off because there's a split Now, we're told in the details of verses um, 37 and and onwards that this is over the issue of whether they should take a chap called Mark or John. I'm calling him Mark. uh, Whether they should take Mark on the journey. Now, um, I take it that the author of this book, a guy called Luke, I don't think Luke really wants us as the reader to know 
all the ins and outs and who was right and who was wrong. Because he doesn't give us, he doesn't fill us in with the details. Rather, this is showing that even great Christian leaders, even really godly people who are passionate about sharing Jesus with other people, well, they might disagree. And maybe neither of them is, is wrong. Maybe they're both right. But this kind of thing does happen, and it can seem like it might derail somebody's plan to share Jesus with somebody. And this type of thing comes with a lot of pain. At this moment... It's a sad time. See, there's a history between Paul and Barnabas. Um, Barnabas really believed and trusted Paul when he first became a Christian, when no one else really did. Barnabas went specifically to a town called Tarsus to try and find Saul, Paul, so that he could bring him with him to mentor him in a church in Antioch for a year. So they got on really, really well. The two of them became two of the five original elders in a church in Antioch. And in chapter 13, we're told that the Holy Spirit handpicked both Paul and Barnabas to go together as a team to start some new churches in a new region. In the previous chapter, chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas had stood shoulder to shoulder to refute some false teaching. And here, these brothers in arms, well, they're left agreeing on one thing, that they can't work together. Now, Paul would love to travel with Barnabas to share the message of Jesus with people who've never heard it before. But that's Paul's plan. And that's not what happens. Through the sadness, things continue. But even here, the church isn't growing in the way that they planned. And yet, and I want you to take notice of this. Um, there is an upside. The closed door brings a window of opportunity because Paul gets to take someone else along. He gets to take Silas, who may never have joined them. And actually, Barnabas and Mark, were told, go off to Cyprus. So actually, what's happening is this work of encouraging and strengthening is doubled. So we're going to find in this whole section that maybe frustration in sharing Jesus and, and, and blips that come along the way, maybe that's because We've got a good plan and there's nothing wrong with it. We don't need to repent of that. But Jesus has just got something better and bigger in mind. Instead of withdrawing when you feel frustrated at whether you get to share Jesus with somebody you know, instead of withdrawing, why not keep your eyes open for opportunities brought about by disagreements and painful arguments? Well, the first kind of potential derailment was over a split. Then into chapter 16, we come up against another issue, and that's over sensitivities. So Paul and Silas, the new team, they do start, and they do do actually what Paul said that they would do. They go into the towns where they went in chapter 14. They come to Derby, Lystra, and Iconium. We've been there before. Um, and this time, it's slightly different because they go to those churches, those believers, and they've got a letter for them this time around. And what's in this letter is actually quite important. Um, it's quite important for what happens in chapter 16, because uh, you can read about this letter in chapter 15. If you weren't here last week, you can catch up by going online. But basically, most of the first Christians were Jewish. And so naturally, there arose this question about whether somebody who's not Jewish, if they do start trusting in Jesus and being a Christian, don't they have to sort of become Jewish? Don't they have to 
obey the Jewish law in order to honour the Jewish Messiah. Um, and the sign that you do that would be that you'd get circumcised. Well, in chapter 15, that question was discussed. The people who knew Jesus, his disciples, people who knew the scriptures, they all got together and said, do people who aren't Jews have to become Jews? Do they have to get circumcised if they're going to be saved? They had that discussion and they said, actually, if you look at what Jesus taught, if you look at what he's all about, if you look at what the scriptures say, you don't. Okay, so they wrote that down on a letter. And this letter is doing the rounds now with Paul and Silas saying, hey, guys, if you're not Jewish, you don't need to be circumcised. If you are and you haven't been circumcised, that's okay. You still don't need to be circumcised because what we're preaching is um, you become a Christian. You are saved through faith in Jesus. Great letter. They're taking it round. Now, it's against this backdrop that they meet Timothy. They meet Timothy, and he's, he's a great guy. He loves Jesus, and he's really on board with what Paul and Silas are doing. He, he would love to, to join him with them and get to have conversations with people he's never met about life and hope and truth and introduce them to Jesus. He's the kind of people like you might find in our church, people who just really want to speak to other people about, about Jesus. But there's a problem, and that is the sensitivities of the culture he's in. See, he's got an issue with his race. He's mixed Jewish race. His mum was a Jew. His dad wasn't. So he's been brought up non-Jewish, but Jewish people would kind of consider him Jewish. And that means to the Jewish people he's going to share Jesus with, uh, at best, he's going to look like someone who doesn't really care about what God says. So why listen to him? And at worst, they won't even listen to him because he's a traitor. There's a problem now with sharing Jesus with the people around them because of this cultural sensitivity barrier. And yet, once again, at great discomfort and great cost, particularly to Timothy, this group of Christians says, hey, if there's a barrier to us sharing Jesus, I wonder if we can move that out of the way. They tell Timothy, you've got to be circumcised. They're there with a letter that says you do not have to be circumcised. And they say to Timothy, mate, you've got to be circumcised. Because the letter says you don't need to be circumcised to be a Christian. But they know that if there is a barrier to sharing Jesus with people, then you can remove it for him by being circumcised. There would have been a door shut but by being circumcised, it opens up a window of opportunity to speak for Jesus. What they've done is, what, they, what we're going to see is their go-to response. And that is they always take a path that will let them speak about Jesus. Although so far, it's not really been that straightforward. We're learning by now in Lystra and Derby that, that one does not simply take Barnabas and go and visit all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. There's an issue over a split. There's an issue over sensitivities. And now in verses 6 to 8, as they move on from Timothy's house, they endure one of the most frustrating experiences of the whole trip. Third, there's an issue of uncertainty. So they've been to these few cities. Now they decide to go somewhere new, tell people who've never heard about Jesus, about him. And they go into the next province along. And two things happen. Firstly, verse 6. They are kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province. And secondly, when they decide that they're going to enter a new province, the spirit of Jesus 
would not allow them to enter. So there they are. They've been commissioned by Jesus to go and uh, to go and preach the gospel, to go and share Jesus with other people, bring good news and light and joy to the people they meet. And the Holy Spirit is with them to equip and empower them to do that. And the Holy Spirit, who's equipping them and empowering them, is also saying, but no, not, not there. No, while you're in this region, you can't speak about Jesus. Oh, and you can't go to that region either. Think about what I was doing to Stephen earlier on last time I was up here. I want you to do it, but not, not there, not there, sorry, not there, not there, not there. It must be hugely frustrating for them. We don't really know what this looked like. We don't know whether it was just because they were ill at certain times, or whether there was political unrest and guards at the gates, or whether there was theological convictions, if they really felt they ought not to go into this place. But whatever happens, they've come to a stage where they know they should be speaking about Jesus, and yet nothing is working. Nothing is working. They can change their plan They can try and do something else, but nothing is working. And I wonder if you can relate to that as well. Whether you think, well, I would love to share Jesus with the people around me, but nothing is working. So maybe you've got some neighbours and you decided this is the week that I'm fired up for Jesus and I'm going to invite them to our carol service. So you do and they say they'll come and then they don't. Or maybe you have gone out on a limb and you've offered to pray with a colleague over something difficult. But they, they're not interested. They say, no, thanks. Or maybe you've put in a group chat with some friends that, that you're really trusting in Jesus during this dark time and they're not really picking up on that. Maybe you've been praying for a long time for a family member, your brother or your sister, and you have shared Jesus with them. You have had that opportunity, but nothing you do seems to work to, to share that joy of yours with them. Well, Act 16 helps here. Because you see, maybe you've got a plan and that's fine, but Jesus maybe has a different plan. What you do in that situation, I mean, Paul and Silas and Timothy could have just said, hey guys, for some reason the Spirit doesn't want us preaching and we can't go into this next place along. Maybe we just don't have this sense of peace. Maybe God is closing the door on us. Maybe this is just God saying this isn't meant to be. Go home. God isn't calling you to go and speak about Jesus with other people. That's just not what you're meant to do right now. They could have said that, but they didn't because they know that would be not true. (laughs) They know that Jesus has sent the Spirit to equip them to speak about Jesus. So what they do is they keep trying and they realize God's not telling them to stop. He's just telling them to go somewhere else. Then Paul gets a vision in verse 9 and they talk about it in verse 10 and it's clear It's clear by then this frustration should be evaporating. God says, actually, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Macedonia. That's where I wanted you to go. Now, that's a great news, but I personally, I'd feel a little bit frustrated um, if that was me. Because I would want to say, well, God, why didn't you lead with that? Why didn't didn't we know that at the beginning? Um, When I was in university, I was part of a Christian union. And we had a a week where we had some events. Uh, Some speakers came to talk about the Bible that we can invite our, our friends to. Um, And my first time doing this type of thing, I I didn't really know what all these events were like. And one afternoon they said to us, right, guys, this afternoon you're going to go out and do some questionnaires. So get your coats, get a pen. We'll give you a clipboard and the questionnaires um, and we'll tell you where to go. So come back. So I came back. I was there with my coat, my pen. They gave me a clipboard and some questionnaires. They said, right, I want you to go and stand on that corner and do the questionnaires with people. So I did. I wasn't too sure what was going on. (laughs) I was like, okay, some data gathering while we're all a bit free. So um, I went there with my questionnaire. I said, excuse me, uh, do you want, 
can I just get you to fill in this questionnaire, some questions for you? Thanks very much. And they did it, and they went back. And then I came back. Uh, we finished, you know, the hour was up. I went back to join the rest of the guys from the Christian Union. And they said, right, let's have a debrief. Um, so did any of you get to, like, have a conversation where you could share your faith in Jesus? And I thought, oh, that's what that was for. That's what the point of it was for. But the thing is, you could have told me at the start. You could have told me at the beginning, this is what we're doing. This is what the plan is. If I'd have known at the beginning, I could have done a much better job of it. And I wonder whether that's what Paul and his friends feel in verse 10. Thanks for the vision, God. But if we'd have known at the beginning that we were meant to go to Macedonia, we could have just set off for Macedonia. If we'd have known at the beginning we, you wanted us to take Silas, we'd have taken him. If we'd known at the beginning we were going to Macedonia, we'd have just gone from Timothy's house straight to Macedonia and we'd be there by now without having to faff around in Asia and Bithynia. But actually, it's really helpful that we get to see this. It's really helpful that we learn that Jesus doesn't have to make his plan known to you. The way Christians are in the world, we don't need to know every bit of Jesus' plan right from the beginning. For these guys, serving God led to uncertainty and it felt frustrating. And you and I can really relate to that. But what we do learn is a really great response to that uncertainty, a really great response to not really knowing what Jesus' plan is and where he's sending you. The response is this. Take a path, whatever that might be, that will open up a window of opportunity to speak about Jesus. And if you're not sure what that path is, then let me say it's never that Jesus hasn't called you to share him with others. It's just we don't need to know his plan in advance. So keep your eyes open for opportunities. And it does teach us that if you're sat at home waiting for a vision from Jesus so that you know how he's going to use you for his growing the church, well, notice that Jesus didn't give this vision while Paul and Silas were on their sofas back in Antioch in their home church. He gave them the vision when they were out and about and seeking for a way to share Jesus with others and had run out of options. So again, Paul's, Paul's plan was to go into Asia and Bithynia. That didn't work out. But when nothing seems to work out, faithful Christians just keep going knowing that Jesus does have a plan and he'll open up that opportunity to share him with others. And this works really well. So from verse 11 and 12, it feels a bit like this type of montage where, or one of these clips where um, you get that dotted line going across a map. Um, what is a long journey, potentially a long and perilous journey, lots of planning involved. Actually, that just passes by in verses 11 and 12 in an instant. Because before we know it, we are in Philippi. We're there, we're where Jesus wants us to be. And you'd have thought things would pick up here now they're in Philippi. But again, in Philippi, there's a fourth blip. And that is this problem that they have to change their strategy. Now, what used to happen, this is what Paul likes to do. Paul and Barnabas were Jews and they would arrive in the synagogue. And these two Jewish men would prove in the synagogue that Jesus is the Messiah. So they arrive in Philippi and it's Paul and not Barnabas. It's Paul and Silas. And Silas, we learn later on in this chapter, he's a Roman citizen. And they've also got Timothy, who's half Jew and half Greek. Uh, and there's no synagogue. <laughs> that, there goes the strategy. There goes their plan for bringing Jesus into this new city. Does anyone know how to start a conversation about the Jewish Messiah when you're in a major Roman city? 
They do wonder if there are some, um, there's like a, a proto-synagogue outside the city meeting by the river, but when they go to the river, they actually find a group of women there. That's hardly familiar territory. But yet again, out of their comfort zone, no idea about the strategy for reaching this place, they decide to do what they've always done. Find a path that means they can share Jesus. It's great. Paul's plan would never have included this, would it? And yet, here on the bank of a grassy riverbank of the river in the shade of a Roman city wall, here finally we get the climax of this whole frustrating journey. The climax, the curtain is lifted on what Jesus' plan was all along. Because we, we learn that Jesus opened the heart of a woman called Lydia. Souls are saved at this moment. And you and I, if you're a Christian, will get to meet Lydia one day and she'll be very grateful for all of this frustration and all of this change of plan. Here is where people in the European Roman Empire got to hear about Jesus for the first time. And isn't that great? I mean, Paul's plan was good. I can't fault it and I'm not criticizing him for it and neither does Luke. But Jesus had a plan that was something bigger and better. This is a passage about what Jesus does. And if we can't see the end of the story, then it is a bit frustrating. But Jesus makes it happen, and that is wonderful to see. And if we're living as Christians in the world, then it's really helpful that we saw Paul's plan and Jesus' plan, because it helps us think about my plan and Jesus' plan. Um, this is much, much, much shorter, so don't worry. That's what I was talking about at the beginning. This is only our second point, but this is a final point. Um, I mentioned at the start that we, we love to share Jesus with other people. We want to have a chance to chat to him naturally about people. But the thing is, here's the thing. My plan to share that joy with my neighbor, my plan, I get frustrated that that's not really working out. My plan to share my hope with the guy in the corner store doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere. Here are three things that I can take away and you can take away from this passage that help. Firstly, Jesus has the plan and I don't have to know it. That means that when I go to the corner store this week or when I speak to my neighbor or just get involved in any conversation, I, I don't need to worry. He's the one who's got the plan. I mean, Jesus could have given Paul the vision of the man of Macedonia at the beginning. He could have even given him a vision, not of the man of Macedonia, but of Lydia by the river in Philippi. So he'd know exactly what he needs to do, but he didn't. And Jesus could give me a vision of what he wants me to do tomorrow so that he can bring me to a person I should share Jesus with. But he might not. And he doesn't have to because I don't have to know the plan. So when I'm at the corner store chatting to the, the owner, he asks, and I'm talking about what kind of church we are, I'm hoping he'll ask questions and be interested, but I don't have to succeed in that plan that I've got. I don't need to stick to a strategy. I can open my eyes and think about taking a path that lets me talk about Jesus. And that might not open up today or it might not open up in that corner store. I keep my eyes open. Second, I don't have to be in my comfort zone. Naturally, personally, my plan involves speaking to people like me. I like to have a connection with somebody when I come to speak to them about what's important to me. I just, I think it's hilarious. Imagine Paul's conversation with Lydia. So I told Lydia, by the way, is a dealer in purple cloth. Probably quite a lucrative business. So Paul sits down and says, um, I don't know you, but my name's Paul. I'm a former rabbi from a 
some random town in Cilicia called Tarsus, and, and I speak Aramaic at home. And she says, hi, I'm Lydia. I'm the CEO of an import-export company in a Roman metropolis, and I speak Latin at home. <laughs> Great. How do, you, how do you connect there? Paul hasn't really got the tools to be connecting in that conversation. But maybe Jesus doesn't need him. Maybe he doesn't need me to be great at that conversation. Maybe he doesn't need me speaking to people just like me. Maybe he wants me stepping out of my comfort zone and trusting in his plan. I used to be involved to ministry, in ministry to internationals um, in our church, and I'd meet quite a lot of Chinese students. And when they were new to, to the group, they might say, okay, so like, do you guys, are you guys like learning Chinese or do you, do you guys like visit China a bit? And we'd say, well, no, um, I don't know any Mandarin. At the time, I was like, well, I, I teach science in Bootle. Um, no, I'm not doing this because this is a helpful thing for me to like learn a bit of Chinese. I'm doing this because I really think it's important to share Jesus with you. Now, I don't know how much they learned from the Bible study, but I do know that they were impacted by the fact that we had kind of no connection with them, but they saw it was important to us that somebody who doesn't speak the same language, doesn't do the same job, doesn't eat the same food, doesn't watch the same movies, they'd realise that that's important to us, to share Jesus. Being out of our comfort zone was actually really, really useful. Now, I hope that there are times when I get to chat about Jesus naturally with people, but Jesus' plan might not put me in that situation. They might put me out of my comfort zone, and I can be ready for that and excited about it. And three, I can give up my rights. See, remember how Paul and Silas had the specific job of giving a letter that said specifically, nobody needs to be circumcised to be saved. So we know Timothy absolutely did not need to be circumcised, and yet he said, but I want to remove a barrier so that I can share Jesus with others. And he did whatever it took to remove that barrier so that cultural sensitivities didn't get in the way. And that's something really helpful from this passage that can help me with my plan about sharing Jesus. See, I don't know what Jesus' plan is, but I do know that if I want to share Jesus with my neighbours, his plan must involve that on my street, his plan involves that I keep sausages off the menu when I invite my neighbours around for a barbecue because I've got Muslim and Jewish neighbours. Now, the Bible says I can eat sausages. I have the right to. And specifically, it does mention occasions where that's an issue, and it does really say you can. But you know what? I want them to know Jesus. So let's keep the sausages in the freezer on that occasion. My plan, or Jesus' plan, also means that I don't complain about my noisy Muslim neighbours making a noise at night time when they're having a big meal during Ramadan because night time is the only time they can eat and drink. So I could complain, the children are trying to sleep, but I let them do that because that's what they're doing in their culture and I would love a way to speak to them. I want a path to open up to speak about Jesus. So I'm going to give up my rights. What does that mean for you? What freedoms do you have as a Christian that you could just give up so that you can open up a path of speaking for Jesus. Those are just three ways that Acts 16 teaches us we can use opportunities in the midst of frustrations as we look for Jesus' plan. Each time frustration came along for these guys in Acts, the go-to response was to take a path that lets you speak about Jesus. And if all this is true, and Jesus was working this whole situation just so that Lydia could hear about Jesus, 
then I wonder if that raises a question for you, if you're not a Christian, but you've come along here today. If Jesus was arranging it so that Lydia could meet Jesus when she met Paul, has Jesus arranged today so that you could be here, so that you could meet Jesus through meeting us? We've seen in this passage that Jesus has got a plan to be known by people everywhere, from all walks of life, in all corners of the world. That includes you. Because he wants to bring you into the deepest and fullest joy of knowing God and a life oriented towards him. He wants to invite you to that. And today might be the chance that you've had to hear about him and meet him. We'd love to speak to you afterwards to chat about that, to chat about his claims, to introduce you more to him. Or you could chat to the person who's brought you if today is the time that you're getting a glimpse of Jesus and you want to know more. Well, for for most of this journey, uh, things didn't go as expected for Paul and his friends. And for you and I, living and speaking for Jesus just may not be as plain and straightforward as we would have planned it to be. But Lydia will tell you that Jesus' plan is just right. So we learn our go-to response from Paul and Silas. Take a path that lets you speak about Jesus. Jesus.